You are listening to Genuine Chit Chat. This show is for real. Hello there, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I am joined by the host of the true crime podcast, Just the Tipsters, Melissa Morgan. So this was an extra long episode, so it has been split into two. This week is part one of our discussion where Melissa and I discuss true crime in general, why she started a podcast, some of her listeners, uh, how law enforcement is involved. And then towards the end of this conversation, we talk about Melissa's dog called Siren. Then part two of the conversation, which will be out next week, but is currently available for all Patreon supporters, that is where we speak about the more heavy stuff. That's when we speak about Melissa's recent passing of a loved one, how she dealt with the griefing process of that, how it's been since that's occurred, the memory she's hold, and those sorts of things. So it is all about death and grief and dealing with yourself after something like that happens. And I think it's a very cathartic and very important conversation that a lot of people need to hear either from their own experience they've already gone through or potentially for things in the future. And Melissa was so open and honest with me in this conversation that I just hugely, hugely appreciate that as well. So that's going to be just about it from me, guys. Aside from there's going to be a quick promo from the Believer's Skeptic podcast, and then the conversation with Melissa will all start. And then I'll be back at the end of the conversation with Melissa to give you guys some information on what's coming up in part two, as well as some of the things about the future of Genuine Chit Chat and a few other bits and pieces. So I um, really hope you guys enjoyed this conversation. Make sure you check out the links in the description to where you can find Melissa and a lot of the other things that I've been involved with, including guest spots and etc. And uh, yeah, guys, I just appreciate you all listening. So I present to you now the promo for the Believer Skeptic podcast and then part one of my conversation with Melissa Morgan. Hello! Welcome to BSP Believer Skeptic Podcast. The commercial where two idiots debate weird phenomena. I'm Chris. I'm the Believer. I'm Cody. I'm the Skeptic. We are an LGBTQ paranormal comedy podcast. And proud members of the Podmoth Network. So, did you know there's a creature in Japan called a kappa that tries to suck a bejeweled life force? Out of your anus. Uh, I did not, and I'm not even going to try debunking that. Instead, I volunteer as tribute. Okay, so if you like your podcast a little spooky, a little mysterious, a lot gay, do we have the show for you? Just listen and subscribe to BSP Believer Skeptic Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. And for more content, search BS Pod PHX on social media or visit bspodphx.com. Bye! Bye. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people. And I'm your host, Mike Burton. Um, all right, so I've pressed record. I mean, you've got okay. wonderful, um, what do you call them? Your ears, specifically. Critter, critter clips, K-R-I-T-T-E-R-K-L-I-P-S, which we both love words, apparently, and the spelling of them. So a woman in San Francisco makes these, and uh, she was selling them at some weird-ass woo-woo convention I went to, and I'm like, I love these. So I have, over the years now, amassed 11 pairs. It's bad. It's That's very not bad. bad. That's incredible. Okay. It's, it, okay, gotcha. You're being yourself and doing what you want. I mean, you can't see it, but around me, there's just like lots of random things. There's Lego uh, all around me. There's a Harry Potter chessboard made out of Lego next to me. There's a Millennium Falcon. There's plants over there. Uh, there's vinyls on the wall. There's comic books around me. Funko Pops. Like I, I'm. All oh my for- god! You have pops. You're every. You are everything. Yeah, I do have a lot. That's awesome. I'm, I'm kind of a jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, you are. Yeah. No, let's call you a Renaissance man. That's it. That's it. I mean, do Renaissance men have yeah, tattoos? Yeah. 
I don't think they did. That's probably if they don't, they should. Okay, how many do you have? Uh, well, I got another one on the weekend, so I've got three uh, in total. Awesome. So I've got two on my arm and one that's now one on my ankle is the newest one. That's um, that's what, only small. What is it? Um, the, okay. I can show you and the, the listeners slash oh. watchers if the video holds up and things then they'll be able to see it right um, right well. right but let me let me take my hoodie off um, and, and then take your pant, pants off so we can <laughs> see your ankle I don't need to take my pants off for that, or trousers, okay. as we call it here. Um, but oh, yeah, trousers! So it's Star Wars. Well, these are dragon bottoms more than anything. But you did not get a Star Wars. I no got two way. Star Wars tattoos actually. So there's that one, which is Darth Vader. Holy and shit! You that. holy shit! That one. <gasps> oh my gosh! Um, so that's going to be a Star Wars sleeve, um, and then my foot one, I got with a friend of mine who's going over to America, actually. Um, he's been a best friend of mine for a while. God, this is going to be awkward. It's the sound oh, my. Yeah, I know. Get my leg out. It's like burlesque or something, isn't it? So, okay. Oh, so it's... Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? Oh, it's a clack of Wow. Yeah, I know. I, saw, I knew what it was the second I saw it. I used oh. to work in the film. Yeah. That's so, kind of amazing. And wow. You're one of the first people to see. I haven't even posted on social media yet, so you are... Wow. Aside from a couple of people at my work, I think, and... Um, my partner Megan, and obviously the tattooist. Uh, not many people have I, seen that, so I feel I feel very privileged. I just sent you um, pictures of two of mine. The first one is the one I got when I met Mark Humphreys. <laughs> <laughs> that is it's a good po- policy, I think. And then I just got <laughs> I just got um, justice on my arm in October um, because of a case we covered uh, where a young girl it was written in her in her font. Hmm. so it's you, just on it's on my forearm just as a reminder of why i do what i do That's yeah because you posted that on your facebook in your facebook group didn't you i remember seeing that probably I, yeah i'm fairly certain because before we chatted i was like um i i say somewhat facebook stalked you but it was on your public um just the tipsters <laughs> page so it's not quite it was just right i was like i haven't gone through like i realized i hadn't liked uh just the tips on facebook and i was like what have i done what's wrong with you I, I you're know. a terrible I am. Terrible person. Terrible yeah. person, terrible podcast. Yeah, terrible yeah, yeah. fan of the show. It's awful. <laughs> um, but I went on there and I just, I went on there and you get so much uh, uh, engagement with your listeners, uh, which is interesting. I do. Yeah. I have a problem. I'm way too accessible and um, I'm a codependent people pleaser. Mm. And then I bend over backwards and then wonder why my back hurts. So yeah, that's me. Yeah. I've, I've been there. Uh, I've, I've been there, done that. <laughs> you know, my, my codependence, I mean, I've managed to solve that by having a podcast that forces me to talk to a variety of different people. So it's like, I've, I love that. Like my, um, I've described it as like my friends always say, um, I make my own life more difficult because I'm always busy. I'm always doing something. <laughs> and it's right. like this, uh, I, I'm, I'm always, I'm quite... Manic is the wrong word because that insinuates uh, no. bipolar, which is not what I have. Right. But it's no. that sort of high energy. I need to yep. get the craziness out somehow. And the way I do that is having near enough three podcasts and doing everything, you know, tattoos, Lego, Star Wars, reading books all the Perfect. time, staying up ridiculous o'clock at night reading. And then you know, I'm not even that tired all the time. I feel like I should be because I get less sleep than most. But maybe I'm in that rare 2% of people or 1% who need less sleep. Yeah, I think that's a gift. I think that's a gift. You, you're the kind of people that get shit done. Yeah, well, I try. <laughs> <I've>, yeah. <laughs> I, I try my best, but I don't. I often get distracted by a lot of things. So I've got about a hundred notebooks. Uh, if so, if you see me writing down, <laughs> like, because I've got, uh, 
Like I've got my little notebook here, which is my second uh, genuine chit chat notebook, and then I've got my first wow. genuine chit chat notebook over here, uh, which has got a few spare pages wow. in that I use for guest spots, and then I've got my wow. my this notebook, which is my uh, Patreon film notebook and writing down guests in here, like potential guests that I want to get as well. Um, and in fact, I love I've, that. Got, I've got just the tipsters written. Right there, because it, when I started this year, I, I wrote down in 2021, I, uh, with the end of 2021 for the start of 2022, I wrote down all these people that I was like, I need to have them on the show because I keep not doing it. And you've been on my list for ages thinking I just... That's nice. Um, so That's really nice. I appreciate that. I'm not a great interviewer, which is would be one of the reasons I wouldn't have you on unless, of course, you've killed someone or solved a murder <laughs> and then I would have you on. But I'm, I don't, I'm like envious of people like you who can very talk very extemporaneously. And oh, I can do that if I have bullet points and if it's mm. a case I'm interested in, but I'm, I don't feel like I'm a great interviewer. And honestly, most people are not great talkers. <laughs> <At least> people, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like people in the, in the law enforcement world and Oh boy, victims, families. It's, you know, it's sometimes like, crawling through molasses to get you know yeah. an interview yeah, yeah. i'm sure and, you know yeah and also one can like i'm not saying you would come across this way specifically but some people can interpret if you interview people who have gone through uh things it can seem like taking advantage of people yes. and you never want to do that it's like hey you guys no. have had a horrible tragedy happen to you let's put you in front of a camera and a microphone to help my show right. it's like it's not that simple you know because i've had right. people want to speak about difficult times as well as yourself yeah and it's not trying to take advantage but it's kind of no. allowing people who want to have the right platform for it and it's right it you know, but- never feels that way it never mm. feels that way like speaking to someone like you and i it it's only happened a few times where someone has you know it's always uh, on social media some mm. lovely trollish person saying you know oh you're profiting off of people's tragedies i'm like well number one i'm not profiting number two go fuck yourself sideways <laughs> you know i i'm not and if they don't want to talk to me they won't i, I never you know, in my mind, at least, um, you know, humiliate or embarrass anyone. Um, people willingly want to talk. And if there's anything that, you know, and I kind of, I hate this term, it sounds a little trite, but, you know, people say you're shining light on cases that, you know, need to be talked about. So that's how I kind of rationalize it in my head. And I never want to feel like, you know, I, I'm, I try to be compassionate to victims as well as their families. And I think I do a good job. Yeah, I, I mean, I think your podcast, it's, I don't listen to a lot of true crime, um, because true mm-hmm. crime, uh, and this is what I, I want to speak to you about, true crime is not something that I am heavily intrigued by in itself. Sure. Um, I've got a friend of mine called Janine Mercer, she has the Odd Entity podcast, and she does like true crime, but as well as like folklore and legends and kind of crazy um, things like that. And both your podcast, Just the Tipsters, and hers are the two sort of main true crime podcasts that I consume. And even then, it's like, I know certain individuals, including I think yourself, who consume a huge, huge amount of true crime stuff. And that's completely fine. Absolutely. <laughs> it's completely yeah. fine. Like nothing against people who do. But for me, I mean, once again, I listen to so many different things and I'm trying to, I have to listen to people's podcasts that I have on the show, as well as doing research. And I'm listening to audiobooks all the time as well. And I'm massively into music. So I'm always listening to new music as well. So my partner Megan goes a bit mental. Not in a bad way but she's like why do you always have to be listening to something and it's like because if i'm by myself or doing chores and there's silence that's a period of time that i can be consuming content and that's what i need always god consuming. bless me 
Yeah. I mean, <laughs> seriously. Yeah. I, I get you. I mean, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm similar, but a lot of what I listen to is either going to be music or true crime or other podcasts that are interesting to me. I don't have a huge wide swath of interest. Like I'm not listening to sports podcasts or anything like that, but yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I, mm. I can't, I'm, I never really thought of myself as a big multitasker, but I definitely have to be, I'm definitely an audiophile. I mm. have to be listening to something, you know, while doing something else. <laughs> yeah. I end up just daydreaming, getting lost in things. I'll just like, right. if I'm not, if it helps me stay on track a lot of the time, uh, like, you know, occasionally if a guest has been confirmed or something and they email me or message me and go, Oh yeah, I, I, I can be on the show, blah, blah, blah. As soon as I stop doing whatever I'm doing, even if I'm at work or anything like that, if I'm not having some sort of uh, audio stimulation, then my mind will start to wander and I'll start thinking about, oh, what questions can I ask about this? Oh, I need to check this bit out. And, then, and I'll be like, I need to write this down. I'm wait a minute, I'm at work. Right. I'm going to be doing not this thing. Um, right. I, want, I want to ask with you in podcasting then, how I'm always intrigued by how people first heard of a podcast and how they first sort of got into them. So what was the first podcast you listened to and what was your podcast origin story? Well, I I love telling this, but it's not comfortable. So I listened to an extraordinarily popular true crime podcast because I've loved true crime and mysteries and solving mysteries and uh, law enforcement and the mentality behind someone who takes someone else's life and thinks they shouldn't have to pay uh, since I was a kid. So mm. I listened to a very popular podcast and thought, well, this is fucking awful. <laughs> You're getting the victim's name wrong. You, you don't, you're an intelligent, you're two intelligent human beings and you're fucking up. You're mispronouncing. The, I, I hate you right now. So I was like, I carried that sort of like resentment for like about a year. And I'm a, um, I'm an old radio dog. I, you know, have a bachelor's degree in broadcasting from a university in the state where I grew up. And you know, getting a bachelor's degree in radio, TV, film is like getting a bachelor's degree in recess. Like, you know, you can't really do a lot with it. But I worked in radio in the Cincinnati, Ohio area in the U.S. And I worked in radio in the Los Angeles, uh, California part of the U.S. And um, I love radio. I'm much more auditory than visual. You could show me a whole shitload of things and I'm not sure I would grasp it. But uh, auditorily, people have said to me, they're like, you hear things other people don't hear. And I'm like, yes, I do. I'm the bionic <laughs> woman. <laughs> like my, you know, my mom was in real estate when I was a kid and she would show me like a plan for a, a new home that's being built. And I'm, she's like, so here's the bedroom and here's the door. And I'm like, that's a box. That's a line on a, I don't know what you're fucking talking about. I couldn't, I couldn't see in 3D. I, I just, you know, I, it's not, I'm just much more auditory. So listened to the crappy podcast, built up enough resentment, which I think is how a lot of people start. They're like, well, I can do better than that. <laughs> and I was convinced I could do better than that. Even if it wasn't, even if I didn't have like a team of researchers behind me or some great equipment or, you know, whatever, I just, I knew I wouldn't mispronounce victims' names and I would get details right that they would be like, it's not important. And I would be like, oh, it's so important. You know, I was like totally offended. So I'm, I was lucky enough to be married to my amazing husband who uh, was a singer-songwriter and also had a small record label with 11 artists. So he had some great ass equipment. Um, it was also a little old, like analog, but it was what he loved. And, and that's another thing that I think made our podcast sound really good is that it wasn't 
tinny or or digital. It was warm, like an FM radio station, way before you were born. Way, way before you were born. There was this thing called FM. Because <laughs> you studied because you studied history. But anyway, it was it's it's I love what he did. He made he made it sound like a well, first of all, like a radio show, not a podcast. And that's something I loved. But yeah, we um <laughs> December of 2017, I was like, I'm going to do a true crime podcast and then promptly forgot. And then my husband had a week off between Christmas and New Year's and he goes, okay, so the studio set up and I'm like, for what? And he's like, for that podcast you're going to do. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. What? No. And he goes, you get your ass in there and you write three episodes and we're recording it now. And so I spent a couple of days and on the weekend we recorded three episodes because he did all the research and said, you know, put up three at once and that's how you get started. And here, you know, four years later, you know, things, bumps in the road, things have happened, but I'm still, I'm still trying. And I am so blessed that I have amazing relationships with people in law enforcement. I have victims, families who still keep in touch with me. I have listeners who, um, you know, it started as a as a twelve year old boy dick joke, just the tipsters, and it's turned into something viable. People call in legitimate tips that have actually helped solve cases. Mm-hmm. It's it's so, amazing. Yeah, thank you. I I it started as a vanity project, something I wanted to do, and it's turned into one of the loves of my life. Yeah, I've always found that when I speak to a lot of people who are podcasters, one of the things that is the least expected part, which is what I found. Uh, is the community element, not only from other podcasters, but also from the audience. Yeah, I I was amazed too. You're always going to have, um, I, I call it a function of be, becoming more popular. You're always going to have, you know, weasel dicks who say terrible things or, you know, you talk too long. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. Like, you talk too much. Um, it's a podcast. I'm not sure <laughs> how you do a podcast and you don't talk, shut your fucking pie hole. So yeah, I mean, you're always going to have those kind of things, but for the most part, the reception and the support is, is immeasurable. Like I can't, Mm. it's priceless. It's priceless. And people, you know, say things like, you know, you, you accompany me on my day, you accompany me at work, you accompany me on my commute, you accompany me on my five mile run. You know, it's, it's those kind of things that make it feel like you have an even closer relationship with people you've never met. Yeah. Yeah. I think that being a podcaster kind of helps shine a light on the more positive parts of social media in a lot of ways as opposed to like, you're right because i've you know everyone's had interaction on social media that suck but since i've been a podcaster i've not <laughs> really had that i mean maybe it's because my show isn't right. quite big enough and then when it becomes you know when it, <laughs> when it becomes massive you know when i become the next joe rogan uh then i'll get right. all the shit you know <laughs> right you'll get you'll get ha- like half the shit you won't get all the shit but it'll be I'm going to say 60, 40. Yeah. yeah. The, the more popular you become, it, it definitely, people just can't take the fact that you're happy and successful. I don't know what that's about, but yeah. Mm. It's something about them, isn't it? it? It's one of the things yeah, about- Yeah, absolutely. The, the majority of negativity in humans in all manners of life throughout all of history is not the victim is not the problem. It's what the attacker is. There's something wrong with the attacker. You know, every bully Absolutely. has got their own bully or their own demons. And it's just like the kind of chain, right. how far up it goes, uh, which is the the sort of sad part of it. But with true crime. So, I mean, from 
when I was younger, I've always had an intrigue into uh, the macabre, into death, into those sort of things. And my, although true crime hasn't been something that has specifically piqued my interest, serial killers is. I'm very intrigued by that. Yeah. I took psychology uh, in college. Well, actually, for you guys, I didn't go to university, which is your version of college. Um, right. So I didn't go to that. It's the one below that. So for us, it goes school, secondary school, college then university but i think your guys is like ah. high school like end of high school ish yeah but I, anyway i was like 16 to 18 years old uh two years in college uh and i took psychology then you know i was very yeah. into like you know milgram uh, milgram and freud and lots of the psychologists but i was like right. i want to know about the serial killers i want to know what is inside someone's brain kind of that you alluded to earlier which is you know that makes someone think they can kill someone and and that's right in- incredible not in a good way but in a in a very uh, intriguing way in itself but then when you get someone who's a serial killer that's like a whole nother level because you know killing yes. someone killing one person can often be uh, an in the moment thing crime of passion yes. it can be something that's plotted out for revenge but when you get someone who's a serial killer that's pathological yep. so totally it's what about it I, I know you kind of touched upon it slightly earlier but in any more detail of like with true crime in itself has that always been something that was a passion of yours for serial killers and then it turned into it like from a young age up to now what about it kind of intrigues you the most well like you since i was a kid i always loved the macabre halloween favorite holiday of it's not a holiday but favorite event of the year um i also had a a a big crush on uh bela lugosi and i was a big vampire fan as a young person i was a vampire every year for halloween (laughs) i really really like vampires and I love the idea of, you know, undead plus the fact, you know, Dracula was a very sexy dude. I was really vampires disappointed. Were. Vampires yeah, are yeah, very sexual vamp- being, you know. Totally. And yet, you know, I mean, you can equate s- sticking your fangs into someone's neck with stabbing someone with, you know, penetration of the body. It's all the same kind of thing. But yeah, I was really disappointed when I read um Dracula <laughs> because I was like you know, Bram Stoker, you need to sex it up a little bit. This is boring <laughs> shit. It's way too, way too many words. I sound like Salieri talking about Mozart. Way too many notes. Way too many words, Bram Stoker. Way too many. But yeah, I've always loved vampires. So I think I was 12 or 13 when I found an old copy of Helter Skelter for a quarter at a yard sale. And I bought the book and it had pictures. And even then, you know, what would that have been like the late seventies, early eighties, I guess it was, um, they had like, uh, some of the pictures, you know, had a bar across the victim's face. Some of them were just like an outline of some of the victims. And I was like, Oh, what does that look like without, you know, the outline. And so I was fascinated. I was also convinced Charles Manson was going to come to Kentucky where I lived and kill me. Why? I don't know. I'd never done anything wrong to him, but I just assumed it was like, he's on his way and I need to prepare. So I think that was why I, you know, he'd already been adjudicated and was in prison, but I just, you know, I was like, I just knew it was going to happen. So I was already into the true crime genre as a young person. And then, you know, of course, so many TV shows came out that were fascinating and the ones that were more of a docu-series that weren't, you know, like a recreation or a dramatization. I was fascinated by what law enforcement went through, what, you know, they became more open about forensics, forensics files became a big deal. You can, you know, any hotel you're in in the United States, it's going to be running hot and cold all day long. You can catch up on many years of forensics files. But I just, I fell in love with that. The fact that a 
detail like someone leaving a hair or saliva or something like that could eventually, when science caught up, catch them, just like filled my heart. So I, unlike you, not a fan of the cereals. Hmm. Um, big fan, uh, fan, listen to me, uh, <laughs> fascinated by uh, someone who, you know, so it was boiled down for me by a pretty interesting detective who said there's three reasons people kill sex, money, and revenge. And I'm like, oh, he's full of shit. There's got to be more reasons. No, there's not. It boils down to sex, money, and revenge. Every crime, every murder, sex, money, or revenge. It's, I mean, it's sometimes maybe it's all three, but it's, you know, the, the sexually motivated crimes are a little more odd to me because it's a, it's a, Feeling it's an experience I can't imagine someone enjoying. Also, cereals, I think, are so hard to define and figure out. Like you were talking, it's a, it's a pathology that people still spend years, you know, trying to figure out. Like, you know, they, they examine Ted Bundy's brain thinking, like what you'd said earlier, they say hurt people hurt people, right? Like that he had had, you know terrible parents. And th there were things in his childhood, not enough to make someone kill, you know, 40 women or whatever, but they examined his brain and there weren't any lesions or issues with the limbic system that needed to be constantly, you know, whatever. I was just like, wow, that's some shit right there. I mean, that's some shitty shit right there. He didn't really have, not that anyone has an excuse, but he didn't have, you know, an the things you would look for. Yeah. And then there was that, you know, that theory that was for many years called the McDonald triad, where there are three things that can predict a serial killer, bedwetting, fire starting and animal torture. So I went to bed till I was like five. I loved fire and would light matches and watch it. I've never heard an animal, but I literally thought I was two thirds of a serial killer for a long time. I'm like, oh my God, I have to watch myself as I mature. I don't want to be a serial killer. And I couldn't even, you know, my husband, my husband would be like, you take bugs and put them outside. You won't even kill a bug. And I'm like, you're right. Okay, I'm not going to kill anyone or, yeah. So I'm still pretty fascinated by fire and I have not went to bed in a very long time as far as you know. So. <laughs> I mean, I, I did. Uh, I stopped wetting the bed when I was youngish, but then I, in primary school, so around the age of eight or nine, I went for a phase of wetting the bed again. Um, that was mainly because I was getting bullied. So I think that's part of the reason. Oh. Um, and then when that stopped, I, I stopped wetting the bed. Uh, and I haven't Good. since... Um, yeah, it is good. Um, is you know, Megan there? Because I'd like to confirm that. I mean, she's not. She's she's actually in bed, wetting the bed. Um, no, but she's. Um, well, you mentioned about how like uh, it's getting late and things. I'm a, I'm very much a a, a night owl. A like, night Me owl. Megan's yeah. an early bird. I'm a night owl. So like she'll. I'm a how do you how do you do that i love that because i was an early bird and my husband was uh a, i think a lot like you a 24-hour owl mm, yeah i can he, did, he only needed anytime. about four hours of sleep a night yeah i'm not quite how he did i'm not that. quite there I, i'm i'm right i can be at times uh if it calls right. for it uh yeah it's it's more so that i just everything is so interesting when i'm awake you right. know sleeping right. is kind of boring and although it's necessary right. I'm right, like, right, right. So yeah, Megan normally gets to bed like nine, ten ish is ideal for her um, when she has work in the morning, but she gets up earlier than I do for work. Whereas me, I right. like 
12 like i'll, I'll go to sleep right. 12 is like the earliest for me like when megan right. goes to bed at 10 i'm like cool i've got the rest of the evening to myself <laughs> two three four hours of just reading right. or video games or anything um right. it works it works well uh, i i can get sure. up early but yeah it's um there was a point i was going to make here to the early bird uh sleeping thing but i've got completely oh it's because we're talking about wet in the bed and serial killer so fire there we go right. I knew I was getting yeah. there, getting at some point. I think with fire though is like, I mean, starting fires is fun, not destroying people's property and livelihood or killing right. anyone. But like, fire is right. such a. I think it's one of those core things about being a person is enjoying fire because I think one of the earliest uh, traits yeah, yeah. of humanity that turned them into the modern day human, you know, was cooking food, eating cooked Absolutely. meat, and then the amount of nutrition heating, and things. Your, yeah, but heating and heating your dwelling. Water. Oh yeah, of course, yeah, the caves right. and things. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, comfort. Yeah. Yeah, right. so I don't think. I mean, I've never been a big into hurting animals. I've always, I, I'd, I'd sooner hurt a person than an animal. Easy, you know. I could punch a person in the face if you tell me to kick a dog. They I'll probably cry. deserved it. Yeah, right, right, right. You could yeah, excuse yeah. a reason because a human f- probably deserved it. Yeah. yeah, you could always think of a reason for a human to deserve like a, a nut punch, <laughs> but you can't think of a reason a dog would. That's horrible. No, I would never kick a dog in the nuts, and hopefully they've been, um, you know, spayed, spayed. or neutered. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> so I, I want to ask with true crime. Um, it's some I've noticed that although the, I, I want to clarify to any listeners if before anyone uh, potentially gets uh, upset this is not right I'm just gonna say there's a as a common thread that a lot of the demographic of individuals who enjoy true who enjoy true crime it seems to be primarily women now obviously there are lots yes. of men who like true crime uh, and things right. however just from uh, the amount of podcasts that have got women at the helm, the amount of interaction on social media that I obviously have only seen a narrow amount, but it seems like there is more engagement with women. And I've heard a lot of women sort of explain their theory as to why that is. I didn't know if you had a theory, and I want to clarify to any listeners, I'm not saying only women is the true crime. It just sure. no, seems no. like a demographically uh, skewed thing. And I, I didn't know if you had a theory or a thought as to why that might be. I think my theory is the same as most people's theory is that women are mostly the victims. Mm. You know, that's um, it's, you know, I don't, I don't know how the percentages break down. I end up covering as many cases about men that are the victims. Well, maybe not as many, but you know, it's definitely more of an even thing than people think, but I'm going to say this. I think it's kind of a two part answer. I think women are mostly the victims. Uh, I also think that women's cases get put into the media a lot more than men's. And that's something I try to work on because some of the cases I've covered, I, you know, I call it the, um, the blonde white woman syndrome, which, you know, I'm, I'm blonde and white, but I'm old. So it doesn't matter if I were a young, beautiful blonde white woman and I went missing, you fucking hear about it where you are. If you're a, you know, a 50 year old white guy who lives a happy life and no one knows what happened to you, go fuck yourself. Mm. Nobody's looking for you. I mean, I case in point, one of the cases that made me start this podcast, a local man, 58 year old man went missing from his home and they told his wife that uh, maybe he had gone to Costa Rica and he's happily married, uh, oddly specific and shitty and dismissive. Oh, it's horrible, horrible shit. But the thing I was like, why? Yeah. Co- of all things, Costa Rica, not that he left you, went somewhere. Right. let's specifically tell you we right. think he went here. Yeah. Maybe he's in Costa Rica was, was the uh, uh, lead detective's exact uh, quote to the to the wife. And then, you know, there was blood found behind his um, easy chair and his nephew is a pile of shit. And three and a half years later, we got him uh, 
arrested and indicted and we're in the middle of it now. But yeah, that's the thing. I was like, how could, how can they not be looking for him? I mean, I was just like stunned. At, Why aren't we looking for everyone? Yeah. You know, and granted, there's a lot of missing persons where someone walks away from their own life. It is not a crime as an adult to walk away from your life. You know, if you're a child, it's different. If you're underage, it's different. But if you're an 18 year old to 77 year old white guy, tough shit, buddy, you're on your own. Mm. It's, it's terrible. I, I, you know, so that's, I I know that's a long answer, but I, I do think that women, and it's almost like, you know, we were talking about, you know, dogs being descended from wolves, women descended from, descended from women. We uh, are sort of brought up to keep our hackles raised and be aware of our surroundings and, you know, not to not trust people, but, you know, there's been a lot of cases where someone thought someone was uh, being kind to them and it turned out to be very opposite. So I think women consume true crime um, in a larger percentage than men, but I will tell you, I'm thrilled to death when I get an email, um, a message on any social media from a dude who says they listen. And, and, and this is again, a little bit of a disparity. Dudes typically find dudes hosting true crime more palatable. So when a dude doesn't care that I have a vagina and I like, and I'm pretty good at uh, pretty good storyteller about true crime, it, it makes me feel like the world is hopefully shifting mm. <laughs> because you can't imagine the number of uh, comments people get. It's like, um, hi, I'd like you to recommend some true crime podcasts for me, but I don't like women's voices. <laughs> Right. It happens a lot. It happens a lot. I always think so. it's the opposite. That's quite bizarre. For, for yeah. me, I mean, I've always been, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I always like strong women anyway. That's like a, a, a my Achilles heel, I'd say. You know, if it's strong women be- Your it, parents did good. Your parents well, did good then. Yeah. Well, one hopes. <laughs> but it's <laughs> in, in a variety of ways, you know, be it, you know, Gwendolyn Christie, who- Brian of Tarth in Game of Thrones for people who aren't aware, like a woman like that, like an Amazonian <laughs> woman or an actually woman in- power be it real or not any kind of sense of that so whenever it's a woman narrating or reading things i find that more interesting most of the time than men but also i have to hear my stupid voice all the time so it's like it's refreshing (laughs) to hear someone else nattering on rather than it being me all the time (laughs) anyone who hosts a podcast uh gets tired of hearing their own voice but i'm i am happy with either i honestly Mm. don't have a preference i love true crime podcasts narrated by men and true crime podcasts hosted and narrated by women. I Mm. I love them both. Yeah. I mean, I will clarify Um, if people saw my podcasting library, it's, I think it is actually slightly skewed towards men, but that is not because I like hearing them more. It's more just whatever the content is, regardless of the person's anything, it's just content is content. And just, you know, if the quality is okay and if they speak in an all right way, as long as those two parameters uh, are met, then I don't really care who, who it is um, right. speaking in those sort of things. But the theory that I heard about true crime is, and I don't know how true this is, and I can't speak because I'm, you know, in the privileged scale. I'm, I'm pretty high up when it comes to being, you know, a millenni- a white millennial living in England who's not ridiculously low down on the poverty scale. So, you know, my perspective is always one of the things I want to hear other people's perspectives on. Um, but with true crime, I heard one of the theories is something along the lines of um, like women getting the power back in some way you know hearing about Mm. sort of 
I know you say that it's not always sort of women who are the victims, but I think, as you say, because the media potentially shined a light on that or because of women's history or whatever the contributing factors may be, is that women often like to hear about these things because it's, as you say, the sort of awareness of it. You know, it's kind of, it it gives Mm -hmm. them power back hearing about these kind of circumstances happening. Whereas men are like, I don't, I don't, like men don't, I think, this isn't now an assumption, but I wonder if women more frequently are worried about, you know, violence, obviously sexual assault, and also murder more frequently than men right. are. So if you Absolutely. hear about it more frequently, I wonder if that's a degree of comfort covering over the existential worry of that kind no, of thing. That's a that's a great theory. Yeah. It's like if you're, you know, if your senses are satiated with stories of this, you know, yeah, that's a now that's an interesting theory. I always thought it was because you know, women were more often the victims than men, but that's, that's actually a great theory. The more you hear about something, the more comforting it becomes because you're not afraid of it anymore, even if the stories are horrific Mm. and that to that degree, I will tell you, I, um, have evolved because when I started the podcast, I never wanted to cover a case that was open, that was unsolved. And I never wanted to cover a missing person, just Mm. couldn't handle it. Everything had to be wrapped up with a beautiful bow and like a Tiffany box. I wanted every, you know, T cross, every I dotted. I wanted it solved. And for the first year, I would only do solved cases because that that gave me comfort. Like, okay, someone got caught. Someone got indicted. Someone was arrested. They're off the street. That person got whatever that form of justice is. There's no, in my mind, there's no closure if someone loses a family member, but you can hope for some modicum of justice. And that almost has to be personal to you, whatever justice means to you, whether it's someone, you know, put to death the death penalty or spend the rest of their life in prison or or something like that. But yeah, so after about a year, I started getting emails, hey, would you cover this missing person? Or this person's case is close to me my family or a friend, I know that this happened. It's an unsolved case. Could you please cover it? And I would be like, oh, no. So I would do one a month. I would do one a month. And then it just did not take long before it was uh, six out of eight would be unsolved cases. And and, and this is terrible to say this, but it's the only way I can voice it because it's, it's the truth. I occasionally do a solved case as a palate cleanser for myself because mm. I can't, I, I sit up at night. <laughs> Unlike you, um, I can't get by on a small amount of sleep. I need a bunch. I don't get it. I don't usually get it. So I'm up at night like, well, wait a minute. What, what about that? You know, I'm constantly reading, looking, consuming, theorizing, writing down notes like I could fucking, you know, solve anything. But yeah. Uh, believe me, these things occupy my brain way too often. So occasionally I'm like, I have to do one that's solved. I can't take it anymore. So that's how it kind of is going now. I mean, that's part, I'm I'm in the same boat as that. That's one of the reasons I don't listen to a huge amount of true crime <laughs> and missing persons thing where it's like, yeah, it's like, <sighs> there's a minor spoiler for the film Zodiac. Um, so I love David Fincher, okay? I, yes, I oh love my gosh. his just his filmmaking style is incredible. So, you know, I yes. watched you know, Seven and then Fight Club is one of my favorite of films ever. His, uh, the American version of Go the Dragon Tattoo is amazing. And there's so many films he's done. And I was when I was really into Fincher, I think when I kind of discovered Fight Club, as most people do in their teenage, it's like hmm, right of course of course Um, uh, you know the famous college poster and everyone knows about you don't talk about fight club and so i got really into fincher and then 
I um I need to remind you there's a video on YouTube by the nerd writer about how David Fincher uh his cinematography works. I'd never seen it before a friend of mine mm. showed it to me. It's incredible. I'll have to send it to you. I can't um, wait. Yeah, it's I amazing. can't wait. Completely changed my perception on him even though I loved him anyway. Um but with Zodiac, I watched that when I was in the midst of my uh, Fincher Fest, and I was like, yes, right, this is the, one of the only films in here I haven't seen, and I was like, I can't wait. And then I watched Zodiac, and I got to the end, and I didn't know anything about the Zodiac Killer. You know, mm. over here, it's not spoken about that much. Obviously, over in America, it's much of a bigger oh, of thing. Um, and so I watched the film, and then it ends, and obviously, they don't get the killer. They, there's very right. huge hints of who it is, and it's almost right. almost confirmed who it is, but you don't get that. And that isn't the point right. of the story. But when I finished that, I was like, Wait, what? And it ended. I was like, right. I just spent two and a half hours watching this film and it's not even solved. I was like, I feel robbed. It kind of pissed me off right. a little bit. And I was like, obviously, he's, he can't formulate... The point of the film is kind of true to life. So it was like, but that thing really bothered me. So I think with the missing right. persons thing, if that is that closure, it's like reading mm-hmm. a book and then someone's ripped out the last three pages and you're like, you're right. I, I need the full stop. I can't, mm-hmm. you can't finish on a comma. What's wrong with you? Exactly. <laughs> So, yeah, exactly. And, you know, Will, Will Serzan, the man that went missing in my, you know, area here, I do not like the out of doors. I don't know if you can tell, but I'm not an outdoorsy kind of girl. And I volunteered for three months to look with a group of searchers who were wonderfully trained and helped train me. And I learned so much about a missing person, what to look for, what not to look for, what to, you know, carrying a piece of PVC pipe to push, you know, shrubs to the side. Also, in case you run into a snake, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. I mean, it was fascinating. I had no idea. I assumed if I found bones, which I found a lot of, not human, uh, they would be white and look like, you know, Fred Flintstone, like something from bedrock. And the body has so much, you know, soft tissue that a bone looks a lot like a stick. Hmm. A human bone looks brown because it's had, you know, things seep into it. So it was, it was fascinating. I found more goat femurs than I could. I would be like, look what I found. They're like, put the goat femur down, Melissa, just (laughs) the fucking goat femur. So yeah, apparently Southern California was overrun with goats by at some point. I don't know why, but I found a shitload of goat femurs, but yeah, it was, it was very enlightening and fascinating figuring out a grid, a way to walk so that we didn't miss anything. It was, you know, it it was a very fascinating experience for me. And I learned a lot and a missing person's just tripped me up. I mean, I just, I sit up at night thinking, you know, where have we not looked? Where can we double time look? Where can, you know, so yeah, unsolved cases, the same thing. And I have, I'm very blessed. I have some amazing listeners and some great people in my life who care enough to message me and ask my opinion and tell me things. And I, I, you know, I have this theory that a lot of people are armchair detectives, Mm. you know, they, they really, you know, want to figure out a puzzle. They want to solve something and bring, you know, peace or resolution to someone's family or, you know, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting world being a human sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, being a human is <laughs> so weird. All the weirdest things. I mean, this slight it's tangent. It's a fascinating journey. Yeah, it, it, it is. But I always think like uh, linking, they said it in uh, Dogma, uh, the Kevin Smith movie. And it's like, right. sex is the prime example I use for how weird people are. I just, it cracks me. Like, you know, not, not during. During it's a very fun and somewhat serious <laughs> endeavor. But, you know, you think about it 
in retrospect it's like the things people say the things that you like even you know the smells or whatever else that you enjoy and then when you're out of that frame of mind and you look back and you're like fucking hell <laughs> like that was so weird was, yeah right exactly that's hilarious yeah yeah that's that, that's just one of the examples yeah. i use about right it's, it's just how weird it is being a person of just all these weird little quirks and things and i just imagine like i don't believe in god but it's one of those ideas that and once again this came from dogma is like of course there's a god have you seen sex how funny is that and it's like that's a really <laughs> as alan rickman says it and it's like that's a very funny idea of it um but i want right. to ask um still sticking with the true crime and missing persons uh, element something that comes up um I think it came up maybe in the first because I went back and obviously listened to your you know, the first podcast you did to compare it to the uh, more recent ones and I'll clarify right. all of your first podcasts are still bangers so you know anyone who hasn't listened to Justin well, Justin Tipsters you can go back and listen to the start all the way through consistently amazing but thank you police and law enforcement involvement is something that's come up quite a lot both in your show but also true crime in general and it's right. the question I have is sort of two pronged which is do you think in general, law enforcement do enough, and and this coming off that element is that do you think that the um, the not even renaissance, the golden age almost of true crime over the last couple of decades of the accessibility in the podcasting realm has that helped law enforcement kind of uh, like a fire up their ass to be like lots of people are going to be paying attention to this. You kind of need to get your finger out. Do you, that's kind of my query to you of like are law enforcement doing enough, and do you think true crime has affected that in any way? That is a great question. That is a great question. I love how much research, time, and effort you put into talking about the topics on your podcast. So yes, and yes, although I'm not sure it's two questions, but um, law enforcement, you know, I have a soft spot. Hmm. I'm going to say 95% of anyone who has taken the vow to serve and protect are good people. Are there, are there shitty cops? Oh, fuck yes. Are there shitty plumbers? Yes. Are there shitty doctors? Yes. Usually plumbers aren't going to be responsible for your life. They can make your life hell, but a doctor and a cop uh, should be held to a higher standard. Mm -hmm. Most of them that I've met are good people. You're always going to have a clinker because it's the, you know, on the human scale, right? I'm, I have a huge, a huge soft spot for those in law enforcement. It's, um, life shortening, <laughs> you know, they, uh, a lot of them I know have health issues at a mm-hmm. younger age than they would because they don't, uh, process a lot of what they see or go through. They work tirelessly. Um, they don't sleep a lot. Um, you know, do they let things fall through the cracks? Yes. They're human beings. Has true crime helped them? Yes, it has. It has probably also been a burr in their saddle for um, some of them, but I will be very honest with you. I, you know, started this doing only solved cases and I was sort of bound by what I could find via research. And then when I decided to dig deeper, I, you know, it's not even a rabbit hole. It's basically me digging to China. It became obsessive and a, a thing I loved. And, mm, the biggest amount of pushback I ever got is from smaller agencies, larger agencies are like, fuck yes, I'll talk to you. How can you help me? Can you, can you say this? Can we do this? How about this? Are you busy Thursday? Smaller agencies are like, 
well, you, when I need you to talk to Cheryl down in uh, records and she, I'm like, ah, oh. so it, it's, it's literally one or the other. It's black or white. It's never gray. They're mm-hmm. either here is every file we have. You look at it. Maybe you have a better idea. You know, and I'm like, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. <laughs> and I've been given a couple of very kind gifts from those in law enforcement. They're called challenge coins. I guess they were a thing like with the military. A couple of really beautiful challenge coins. And the last one I got was in December of 2021. And the cold case detective said, here, I wanted to give you this. This is celebrating the 100, 100th anniversary of um, the Homicide Bureau being around. And it's it's the LA County Sheriff's Department Homicide Bureau, which is the largest homicide bureau in the United States. And I was like, well, this is really nice. He goes, yeah, you've, you've helped solve a couple cases. And I go, no, I have not. You solved cases. I'm the big mouth bitch with the microphone. And he was like, you shined light on cases and made people in law enforcement pay attention, including myself. And then I just sat there and cried. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I know I haven't done anything <laughs> to solve a case. Have I been blessed to have people in law enforcement call me and say, would you cover this case? I need to get the word out. That is like a, uh, like a true gift, a priceless mm-hmm. gift. I've had one detective say, you know more about this case than I do. And I'm like, that is bullshit. <laughs> I only know what you've told me. And he's like, you remember everything though. And I'm like, well, that's a problem. Yes, I do. I don't forget <laughs> the details, but yeah. So, I mean, it's, I do think true crime is a big help. I mean, there are, I will be honest. It makes me very angry when people say that podcast solved that crime. No, it did not. It may have lit a fire under the ass of those in law enforcement. It may have brought a cold case back to their attention. They needed to look at, but they fucking did the work. Mm. Podcasts are amazing and wonderful and they are entertainment. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter the topic. It's entertainment. It's for, you know, it's something for our ear holes. You know, I'm a podcast fan like you're a podcast fan like millions of people are. When I started in 2018, there were 400,000 podcasts. Now there's over 2 million. You could find a podcast concerning the little finger on your right hand. You know, I mean, there are some of, that's the whole point of a podcast. It's niche. Mm -hmm. It's niche entertainment for what your interest is. So yeah, I do think true crime has helped, you know, law enforcement for sure. If they're willing to be open and let, let them in. Mm -hmm. That's how I think of it. And I'm really blessed that I've had some people open to whatever they, they take. I mean, you know, detectives, a lot of time in the United States work uh, Monday through Friday. They take their Saturdays or Sundays when they could be with their family, their little precious time off to talk to me mm-hmm. because the case is so important to them. I mean, that's not because they want to be, you know, behind a microphone or it's their vein. They usually can't stand to be in front of cameras. And most of them are not good at it, <laughs> but you know, they're just not. It's not what they thought part of the job was going to be. But if they if they are well-spoken and want to present a case, I am so happy that they trust me enough to do that. And I've just never had anyone be like, you know, you fucked up. You did, you did this. You let something out you shouldn't have. I've used a couple of surreptitious names for some detectives who didn't want their names used. But other than that, I'm just knock wood. I'm really blessed to have a great relationship with law enforcement across the country. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I will say that law enforcement and individuals in the emergency services, as well as 
doctors and nurses those jobs are the hardest jobs on the planet by a country mile like you've got you know even the hardest programming job or most stressful salesman job you've got nothing on you know doctors nurses firefighters uh, paramedics ambulance and um, obviously people in law enforcement it's it's a whole other ball game the, the perception of humanity in those roles is intense and like although i believe both in mainly across the world there are elements of law enforcement that could do better the fact that, absolutely you know there's so much there is a obviously an air of improvement, but the stress of that job is just unfathomable. And I, I wouldn't absolutely. I, I couldn't do that job because I am. I think like you in a lot of ways, I can be very obsessive over things. And like <laughs> my what, what I like about my job, um, I just work in insurance. I work for a broker. I deal with claims. So I've just we have businesses that are our clients. They send me claim information. I work out who's at fault. I figure out the admin details. You know, I do a lot of motor claims and stuff. So I have to look at road markings and etc. And it's like, that's quite low pressure because the worst thing that happens is the business that I'm doing it for. If I fuck everything up, the business just, you know, they have to pay a little bit more money in their insurance premium. Like that's generally speaking, the worst case scenario if I've really messed things up. Whereas, you know, if you mess up law enforcement or a doctor or anything, you not only can potentially ruin or end someone's life but the ripple effects of that can be endless it's absolutely and if i had the job i've got now when it gets to five o'clock and i sign off and stuff it's gone i don't even think about it i get home i start podcasting doing star wars stuff whatever i don't think about those things but and i'm I'm always thinking about podcasting even when i'm at work uh, because it's something i'm passionate about but if i had to do a you know if i found out someone's little girl got murdered or god forbid like raped or anything like that just knowing that exists is enough to really get me to my core having to investigate that and it be on my shoulders to potentially give this family some degree of closure or worrying that whoever did this is still out there and others could suffer from that like that in one instance is enough to drive anyone mad doing that on the daily for your career for like ev- like oh i've solved this one well, here's another one it's like i i it's unfathomable. I, I, I hugely respect people in law enforcement and any of those emergency services because it's just, I couldn't do that. Or if I do it, it I am with consume you. Consume me. Right. I am. I am with you. It takes a very special person to be a first responder, which is what we call them in the U.S. First responders. It kind of fits an umbrella over uh, over all of that. But I am totally with you. It takes a very special person, and it, like I said, I I know it has been taxing, hmm. but it is. Um, the people that I think do the best at what they do are probably like you and, and maybe me, they are obsessed. Mm -hmm. Most detectives retire and can't take it and go back and then work on cold cases. Yeah. I mean, you know, and they hire, they get hired back as, you know, like a contractor, um, cause they're retired, they're getting their pension and they give them like, Oh, that's my girl dog. Should I get her? You can go get the dog. That's not a problem. Guess at all. what her name is. Guess what her name is. Siren. Oh. And not because she's not because she's luring sailors to the rocks. It's because she's a loudmouth bitch. So let me get. Let me go <laughs> yeah, get go, her. Yeah, it's I'll perfectly be, fine. I'm sorry. That was amazing. She's, she's the best. She's the best. She's a terrible, terrible, awful dog. Um, <laughs> her name. This is a pretty interesting. Thing. <laughs> ah! No. You can tell how much she pays attention to everything. Um, She was found in a field in Northern California, and she was pulled out of a shelter by an organization called Paws for Life, P-A-W-S, and they train inmates to train dogs. Hmm. So she spent six weeks in prison 
with an inmate um, and he was responsible for her, uh, her care, her feeding, her grooming and training her. So, you know, I, my husband and I had lost two dogs in, in four months in 2020. And I was like, we're never going to find me, you know, and it took, well, actually in 2019 and it took uh, about 10 months to find her. I, I kept looking at shelters and then we wandered into a pet store and they were having an adoption fair and they were like, we saw her picture and we both fell in love with her and they were like, Oh, she's on her way down here. And I'm like, from where? And they're like Northern California. And I'm like, aren't there enough dogs in Southern California? Why do we have to get, you know, is she fancy? Is she from San Francisco? What the fuck? But she was found in a field and you know, they bring her out and she just runs to us. And I'm like, <gasps> she's mine. And she's a fucking asshole. <laughs> and her name was, she's a fucking asshole. And they're like, her name is Siren. And I'm like, Oh my God, like Greek mythology. And they're like, well, no. So it took about a week and we had her here and I left to go run an errand and my husband, she didn't know my husband was here. He was in his office and he, I came home and his face is like this and his eyes are really big. And I'm like, what's going on? He goes, I understand siren now. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, you left. And five minutes later, she sat on the steps going, like the extended dance mix version of a fucking police siren. So yep. that's my girl. That's, I mean, that's amazing. I mean, I, I don't actually have a dog at the moment. We've got a little tortoise, which is the polar opposite of your dog. Aww. Very slow and chilled out. Her name is Wiquette. In fact, I haven't got a... Of course she is. She's sleeping, but you can see there's our our picture there. There she is in a little... Oh my gosh, it's your little, little holiday outfit. I love yeah. her even more because I dress I dress siren in sweater. Oh, there might be a delivery coming. Hold on a minute. Go siren! Ahead. Oh, her name is Siren Marie Bitchface Morgan Humphreys. Anyway, there you go. That, that's amazing. But like we've got, um, you should, I mean, dogs are incredible. You know, we are too yeah. lucky to have uh, dogs. And yeah. like I've had, when I was younger, I had rabbits um, and cats because my mum is a cat person and my dad wasn't fussed about having uh, animals. And he wasn't one of the dads who was like not fussed and then fell in love. He was like, no, I'm not fussed. And then we got them. He's like, yeah, I still don't care. So, okay, cool. Soulless. Um, but <laughs> I, like Megan has never had any pets. We're cat, well, apart from like a fish. But like that's more of, I call that almost like a living screensaver. Just like, it is a little bit. Yeah. It's just like, hey, look at my cool aquarium. It's like, cool you've just you own yeah, fish i don't now. i don't like aquarium no. yeah i don't like a little bit of turtle yeah 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 they're amazing and they have such personality and you, know, you call they her name do. and she'll come to you i, I love her um, but yeah she's she's adorable and she's got a personality and my mum's got her well i say her, we call her because we thought she was a girl we've seen her penis it's scary uh so she's not a girl but we call her a girl so whatever world's first non-binary tourist whatever um but the, my her, god you've seen your mom's turtle's penis well i've seen our p- tortoise's penis but our mom's oh, oh, tortoise is, is, is a, a sibling too? is a sibling oh, okay and right. so my mom's tortoise is called humphrey our tortoise is called wiquette but our tortoise is a boy and we think humphrey's a girl uh so we got the, the genders completely perfection. wrong but this like perfection when you get the two tortoises together they are completely different personalities we wanted to get wiquette because she is a hungry girl and both myself and megan love food and so she was when we got her my aunt and uncle have tortoises and then they had babies and they had like a whole bunch of them like 19 was the first batch which is insane oh my goodness um, that is they've had three batches lot. now it's and they sell them for like 100 oh quid each so it's um holy crap okay yeah. 
It's a good it's a good business model. You know, somehow make tortoises yeah. breed, which is a very difficult thing to do. Turtle pimps. You're <laughs> for turtle pimps. What the fuck is this? This is uh, terrible. It's insane. But like this, <laughs> when we went um, to choose our, our tortoise, we saw there was, um, I think, seven of them left. And my auntie put down a head of lettuce. And all the tortoises looked yeah. at it and didn't care. My tortoise, we care, looked at it and sprinted straight for it. And we're like, we want that one. And she That's is- your baby. Yep, that's it. And so the, the yep. reason I'm talking about these elements is because, like, Megan's um, obsessed with dogs. You know, she, we've, because we're currently living in a flat and right. then we're saving up and we've had the orders and blah, the offer's been accepted, the work's been done. Hopefully, in the next <gasps> oh. two months, we're going to have a house, which is oh going to be delightful. God, congratulations. Thank you. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a huge life, a life goal to get yeah. to. That's amazing. And you're so young. I mean, yeah, it's taken a, a, a long time and a lot of saving. Um, but we finally right. seemingly got there and stuff. And we're going to do the house a bit. It's got a carpet in the bathroom, which is insanity. I don't. Who does that? Yeah, that's insane people. It's just shit. a piss that's a ser- that's from a serial killer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, piss me, sponge. That's a serial killer piss sponge. Yeah. Disgusting. Um, but when we get this house and we've done it up and uh, a few things there, then the, the next thing we're doing is getting a dog. And it's just like mega. Megan of course, has j- of legitimately like teared up just thinking about how happy she is. She's going to be getting a dog, and like I'm super excited as well because you know I love animals and things, and my family members and things about dogs. But it's just like you know I I, I can't be too excited. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't be too excited because Megan's so excited. So I have to kind of rein her in a bit to be like, we still have a few months <laughs> to go. There's still a f- a many steps before we get the dog. But it's like yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to have yeah. a little ball of energy. So I am envious of you to have a siren. Um, oh, gosh. Fucking they... asshole. Um, yeah, she's <laughs> the best Total fucking though. asshole. She's like, yeah, the love of my life. Um, you are like uh, my husband was and I am like Megan was and we had two dogs. And I was like, don't you think... Well, we had one dog and I was like, don't you think he needs a friend? And he's like, not really. But then I get the girl dog and I'm like... And the boy dog was like, why did you do this to me? You ruined my life. <laughs> but they were together for you know 12 years and then you know, they both passed away uh, in the beginning of 2019. And I was like, you know, before they passed away, I'm like, don't you think we need another dog? And my husband's like, look, there's two of us and two of them. You get another one and they're a pack and they will overtake us. <laughs> I'm like, they're 35 and, and 60 pounds. They don't even add up to what one of us weighs. You know, they're not going to overtake us, but he would not let me have a third. So yeah, Mega wants I'm two okay with that. As well. And then immediately I'm just like, we don't need two. We've got, we've got space for one. And we're going to get the other one eventually, no doubt, because they live for- Don't you think Wicket needs a friend? Megan says that all the time. Yeah, Wicket needs a friend. Yeah. uh, I I can't let you ever talk to Megan because you're convinced. She legitimately times said, she said, I almost went to like a pet store and just came home with a tortoise. And then you wouldn't be able to tell me I couldn't have it. What are you going to- what are you yeah. gonna do? Say I'm no. Not that yeah. heartless. Fuck you, buddy. I, I agree. No, I you're agree. you're outvoted. <laughs> yeah. Totally outvoted. If Me- if Megan ever needs like backup, just tell her to call me. I am here for her because what cat needs a friend. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Well, the f- our friend's gonna be the dog. I mean, not really, because you have to really be very careful <laughs> with the uh, dogs and tortoises. Because a dog will be like, "Why is that rock moving? I'm gonna kill it." It's like, no. Yeah, calm down. That's right. I'm gonna yeah. lick it. I'm gonna lick its legs until it's <laughs> my back. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I, I want to speak with you um, about something we've, you know, we've touched upon and alluded to, and it is a bit of a change of conversation, but it is something that you said you are willing to speak about, and it is something that's very important, um, obviously in in life in general. Um, but it's something that has happened to you recently, and you are very open about it on your podcast, and it's about Mark. So I wondered if you would, in as yeah. little or as much detail as you're willing to give, um, talk about 
Mark, basically, in in all aspects of him uh, and what uh, recently happened with him. Yeah. Um, we met uh, and we were not each other's types. He liked... Um, he liked earth mothers who wore tie dye and had long hair. And I liked bad boys who hated women. So that was, yeah, we were just not, you know, but we, something, you know, sometimes there's a, a larger force at work and we met and three years later, we ran back into each other and he had grown really long hair and a ponytail. And, you know, I, I was never going to be an earth mother, but anyway, we, you know, clicked and we dated for a few years and got married um, in 2001, we got married three weeks after 9-11 and that was fun. Um, but we made it work and we were married almost 20 years, three weeks shy of 20 years. And he passed away suddenly in September of 21, uh, sitting in his car in our driveway. And honestly, if you have to pick a way for someone you love to go either in their sleep or something that happened to him, you know, not, that's not such a bad way to go. And that's the end of part one. Thanks as always for tuning in, friends. As I said in the intro, part two will be out next week on the usual feed. And we do speak about, as you could tell by the way this conversation ended, a lot more darker and heavier subject matter. So there's a few details in the description talking about what is coming up in part two. But if you can't wait that long, you can't wait a week and you want to support the show, please go over to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. For as little as one pound a month, you'll get early access to genuine chit chat episodes when they are split into part one and part two. You get access to both parts in one episode when part one drops. And in addition to that, me and Megan do an afterthoughts episode at least once a week. So that's us talking about movies or TV shows or other things we've been up to and just telling you guys our thoughts about it. So if you want to hear about those things, get early access to genuine chit chat content, early access to a few other bits and pieces that I get up to, as well as some behind the scenes looks at things, including guest spots and photos of the Star Wars comics I tackle on my other show, which get put up there a few days before the episode actually releases and things, those sorts of things. So audio exclusive feed with hours and hours and hours of additional content, supporting the show and early access to things. So if you would consider that, it would mean the absolute world to me. A link's in the description, but it is patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. And if you want to have a taster of that, there's also a link in the description to mine and Megan's first episode on our Tom Hanks watch, which is we're going through the majority of Tom, Tom Hanks movies and we are just watching them throughout 2022. And if you want to hear our discussion on Big, which Megan had not seen before, then you can click the link in the description or type in bit.ly slash TomHanks1 and it'll take you straight to the Patreon post where you can listen completely for free. So in addition to that, my friends, please make sure you check out the show notes for all of Melissa's contact details on her various social media platforms. And in addition to that... You can find details of the guest spots I've been involved with, like the fourth episode of the Comics in Motion book club. I've also been on Star Wars Timeline quite a few times. I've got at least one collaboration coming up at some point in the next week or two, I believe. Uh, so I'll talk about that when that episode has been released as well. And then there's just details of uh, the Star Wars podcast and all the other sort of bits and pieces I get into, including my social media, which you can follow at Genuine Chit Chat on Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. So lots of different ways to get into contact. And you can also support the show by reviewing on iTunes or Good Pods or anywhere like that, including Spotify. You can share with your friends. You can tell them all about this, post on social media, all those usual things, as well as the standard supporting me on Patreon and just listening to the show as you are doing right now. 
And what we've got coming up, I've got Shaldo returning to the podcast to talk about, well, music most likely, because that's what he's known for. Uh, and then I've got two individuals who are authors, and both of them write comic books as well. So I'm very excited to speak to each of those individuals. And they've got a few other things in the pipeline as well, which I will not talk about yet. But I'm um, not going to have this a very long outro, because I've just got stuff to do today, because um, it's my birthday weekend. So I'm going to do laser tag and stuff in the woods. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate each and every one of you listening all the way up to the very end and i'll talk to you guys next week with part two of my chat with melissa morgan you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of star wars comics and canon found on the comics in motion podcast mike burton